Good morning again. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Genesis. We'll be in chapter one. We're actually going to be all over the place. If you got a bulletin, um, there's a good chance you might want to write down some scriptures here in a little while because we are dealing with a very heavy subject. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series on um, Yahweh. And the reason this series come about is because I feel like we have a lot of misunderstandings about who God is. And I want us to know who God is because I want you to have an intimate relationship with him of having some certainty about not only who he is, but also about what he has done. And in my life of trying to walk close with God, I have had to wrestle with one statement that really catches me up time and time again. Knowing God and understanding God are not the same thing. Knowing God and understanding God are not the same thing. And I know that can be a little bit confusing. That can be a little bit confusing, especially for people who are more intellectually thinking or more analytical, uh, have more of an analytical personality. But I want to give you a couple of examples about what I'm talking about. Kids, all kids, look at me. Do you understand your parents? I don't know whose kid that is, but they need to hush him up. (laughs) Kids, let's be honest. We don't understand our parents, do we? I never understood my parents, never. And I got a little bit of a taste of an understanding when I became a parent, but still, I don't fully understand my parents. Because let me ask you a question. You've admitted that you don't understand your parents, but I wanna ask you this question. Do you know your parents? Yes, yes. Everybody will say, yes. Yes, I may not understand them, but I do know them. Parents, it's the same way with you. Do you understand your children? Let's be real. Uh Uh-uh, no way. No way do I understand them. Some of the things that they're having to go through today are like nothing that we went through. And that's why I caution people say, when they say, well, parenting kids today is just like parenting kids back then. No, it is not. Absolutely not. No, it is not. There are certain principles that follow the same, but it's not the same. And while you don't understand your kids, parents, do you know your kids? Yes, absolutely. Wives, do you understand your husband? Brian's shaking his head over here, yes. We talked about a fool in Proverbs this morning. (laughs) Don't fall into his own folly, please. No. A wife does not understand her husband, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. Husbands really don't understand their wives. We are two totally different beings. We have different 
different roles that we play in the marriage where my wife is the nurturer, where she is the one who's running to the kids when they are sick and always trying to go to their defense. Their daddy is the protector, sees himself as the provider, but also sees himself as the disciplinarian. And that's where a lot of conflicts in marriages with parents come about because those roles are distinctly different. But let me ask you this, husbands and wives, do you know your husband or your wife? Absolutely, absolutely. So see what I'm saying when knowing God and understanding him are not necessarily the same thing? Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that we have to understand God to come to him. It just simply states that we have to believe in him and specifically in what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ, our savior. Complete understanding is not necessary in knowing someone. This is where a lot of us get hung up, especially when it comes to our walk with God, because we feel like if we can't understand him, then there's no way that we can really know him. And I want you to see this for a minute because this is the same lenses that an atheist or an agnostic will look through as well. Most of their arguments are based on understanding. Nowhere in their argument is it based on knowing. But even skeptics have their opinions. And to be honest with you, even some believers have these problems as well. Understanding God is not necessary to know him. In no way, shape, or form does it say that. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is a very complex being. Would y'all agree with that? Would everybody agree with that? So do you know what the word complex means? Complex means involving multiple parts. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about one of the hardest to understand doctrines in all of Christendom. We're going to be talking about the Trinity. Three and one, but one is also three. And for a lot of us, that does not make sense whatsoever. And a lot of people get hung up on this, and I'll be honest with you. This is one of those talks where I'm very uncomfortable. I know some of you may have thought, well, Scotty was awful short with greeting me this morning. Please understand this. The weight of what is being said this morning is very important because how we view the Trinity will show us how we view God and not just the Trinity, but all three parts of the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Because see, in a lot of places, and we're going to get into this, a lot of places we like to separate them. But there's one thing I want you to know more than anything this morning. God desires for you to know him. That's why he gave us his word. 
That's why he created you. That's why he, why he made a way for you to have salvation. And after your salvation, that's why he indwelled you with his Holy Spirit. He desires for you to know him. Now, I'm not going to lie. The word Trinity or the word that I'm using, you can flip to the next slide, triune God, three in union, is found nowhere in the Bible. You will not find Trinity or the words triune anywhere in there. But what you do see is this thought, this being, being in place all throughout of his word. And the first place that he shows it to us is actually in the very first book of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 26. And I'm just going to read the first part of this. Look at what it says. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now see, most of us know this verse, but most of us completely overlook this verse as to having any value of understanding who God is. And this is, like I said, it's one of the most confusing doctrines that we will ever come across. But at the same time, this existence of a triunion God is found from Genesis all the way through Revelation. It's not something that I just made up. It's not something that I'm following because somebody before me handed this belief down to me. It's something that I hold to because of what his word says about his self. Over time, even myself as a youth minister, I have tried my best to use analogies and little things to help people understand this whole triune God. One of the analogies that's most commonly used is the analogy of water. Water can exist in three states. It can exist as a liquid, it can exist as a solid when it's frozen, or when it's heated up, it can exist as a vapor or steam. Some people have used the same analogy of a man. An individual man can exist in three separate entities, but still be one. He can exist as a son. He can exist as a husband. And he can even exist as a father. And I'll be honest with you, these are some pretty good examples. But these examples still fall short. They fall short because what they are symbolizing is they are symbolizing models of God. Can the same molecule of water exist in three states at the same time? No. That molecule of water is either going to be a solid, it's going to be a liquid, or it's going to be a vapor. Can a man exist in all three states at one time? Now, in some areas, yes. Yes, absolutely. It is possible to be a husband and a dad at the same time. It is possible to be a son and a husband at the same time. But very rarely do you find all three present at the same time. 
This theory is called modelism. And in a lot of denominations, this is used as an interpretation of how God has revealed his self to man over time. At the beginning, he was the father. At the right time, he became the son. After the son ascended to heaven, he became the spirit. There's dangers in this. There's dangers in this because they do not acknowledge the full deity of who Christ is and who the Trinity or the triune God is. Look at this scripture right here with me. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 7. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting him. Behold, a voice from the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This instance of Jesus' baptism is evidence that all three of these entities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, existed at the same time. It was not just a model of God. It was just not him showing himself to us at a certain time or place. They all three existed at the same time, and all three of them were God. While modelism does help us see the three persons, it falls short because very rarely in modelism will you see, see all three existence at one time. Another analogy that falls short is one that I used in youth ministry a lot. Some of you have heard the analogy of the egg, that the Trinity is like an egg because an egg has three parts. It has the shell, it has the yolk, and it has the white. And again, that is, it's a great analogy to understand that God is made of three distinctly different parts. But at the same time, it has its fault, faults as well. The same thing as the clover that St. Patrick used when he tried to explain the Trinity. It shows that there are parts of God. And again, this is a theory called partialism. While it is good, it still falls short. Well, Scotty, how does that fall short? Because we're told in God's word that Jesus was fully man and fully, not part of him, fully him. And when you do not acknowledge him as fully God, you deny him of his deity. You deny him of who he is. And honestly, you deny him of the value of his life being given for us. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30. He said, I and the Father am one. We are one. But if you go on through to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 16, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as there is also, just also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, and through all. 
Sorry, I messed that last point up. My, my dyslexia kind of gets ahead of me. The oneness of God is something that is hard for us to really grasp. We can't really understand this. How it is that a person can be three, but also that person can be three persons. But God used a lot of things throughout his scripture to help his children and even the children of Israel understand this. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, look what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. But then he goes on to say something else. And this feather gives us a little bit of insight to not understanding the whole part of the Trinity, but to seeing that there's multiple aspects to this Trinity that we don't acknowledge. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Do you see what he did there? <clears throat> the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The concept of triune existence has existed all through his creation. Even, even in us. I mean, you think about some of the, some of the things that we just write off in the creation. He created the birds of the, the fish of the, and everything that creeps on the. Oh, we missed that one. He created the greater light in the sky, the sun. He created the lesser light, moon. And then he created the heavenly host. This theme is seen through all throughout his creation and we write it off as something that is never even there. A triune God never contradicts himself. There is another triune being in us that we can't say the same thing with. God will never contradict himself. In other words, the Father never contradicts the Son, the Son never contradicts the Father, the Holy Spirit never contradicts the Father and the Holy Spirit never contradicts Jesus. All of them point to each other. But the triune existence that is inside of us, we can't necessarily say the same thing about. Jesus even went into detail by quoting this verse in Matthew chapter 23, 22, verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Well, this doesn't give us an understanding. This does give us something to base a triune God off of. And guys, understand something. I am in no way, shape, or form comparing me or you to a triune God. No way. But I am comparing our parts to his triune existence. Look what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. 
And we never look at this verse like this. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are without excuse. In my life of coming to really know God, there's been a lot of things that have helped me see some of the attributes in him. And I'm not going to go into detail of this one, but I've discussed with y'all many times about how becoming a father helped me understand a love for my children that I would do anything on this earth to be with them forever. I can see that. I can see how the Father would do that. But one thing that I have never done is I have never looked at my creation as a way of trying to see him existing as three people in one. And the reason we have a hard time with this, remember, I said God never contradicts himself. There is a war that wages inside of us that is always contradicting each other. Focus with me for a minute. Are there ever a time in your life when your mind contradicts something about your body? As I've got older, man, this has been a crux for me. Because my body is starting to tell me things about my age that I am really not liking to hear. It's starting to tell me things like I need to go to the doctor more. My body's starting to tell me that I need to lose weight. My body's starting to tell me that I need to watch what I eat. What I eat. And you know what my mind is constantly doing? Nah. <laughs> you don't need to do that. You ain't got to worry about that. Your doctor tells you to lose weight. Says him, he's 50 pounds overweight. What kind of example is he? Our mind is always trying to rationalize things that our body is telling us. But the same thing happens with our body and our spirit because our body has these desires. It has to be fed by certain things. And there's certain things that we feed our body with that our spirit doesn't exactly go along with. One of the things that we feel like we need is satisfaction. And this is very dangerous. It's good to have a long day's work and be satisfied with what you have done. But you have to be extremely careful with anything of satisfaction because most sins are in fact to our body pretty satisfying. They really are. And sometimes when we commit one of those sins out of the need for satisfaction, our spirit doesn't exactly go along with that. But not only does our body 
and spirit contradict each other, a lot of times our mind and our spirit contradict itself as well. Start off by telling you there's lots of things that we think about God that our spirit confirms are not so. I've heard a lot of things from a pulpit just like this that are very contradictory to what God's word said simply because an individual thought that it was so. So let me help you with this a little bit. This war that is constantly going on inside of us is one of our biggest hangups when it comes to understanding a triune God. Tri meaning three, un meaning unity. Because even though we are triune ourselves, there ain't much unity going on within our body. There ain't much unity going on within Scotty whatsoever. And you know what's the most dangerous thing? When we don't understand what's going on, what's one of our natural responses? We pull away. When we don't understand something that's going on in our lives, something that's going on in ourselves, a lot of times we'll pull away from who we are. When we have a situation taking place in our life and we don't understand why God's allowing us to go through that, what do we do? We pull away. When individuals in our family are doing things that we don't necessarily understand or agree with, what do we do? We pull away. When friends do the same thing, we don't understand why these friends are doing what they're doing. We don't understand why they got caught up in this. What do we do? We pull away. It's our nature. It's our nature to pull away from things that we do not understand. Over the years, I've seen generations pull away from each other. And what's funny is if you sit down and listen to one generation to the next generation, you know what they're doing? They're just blaming each other. Baby boomers, you don't understand millennials. Well, get this, they don't understand you either. And there's a good reason they don't understand you. They didn't have to go through things like you had to go through. Most millennials have not seen war the way you have seen it. And I was telling Jerry this a couple of weeks ago. Think about this. When a lot of people don't see the threat that the Soviet Union is and can be, you know why they don't see that as a threat? Because they didn't live it like you did. As generations, we pull away from one another. And when we do that, we contradict God's word. Because God's word tells us that the older is to instruct the wiser. And the, and the, or the younger. And the younger is to respect the older. It's kind of hard to do that when we're pulling away simply because we don't understand each other. I've seen it in ethnicities or even races, if you want to call it that. We don't understand the things that some races have been through and some don't. 
I do not understand what the Jews have been through. Can everybody say amen to that? Why? Because we have never had the oppression that they have had. And one of the things we do when we do not have this understanding is we pull away from one another. But we do the same thing with God. And honestly, we do the same thing with ourselves. Romans 1. Paul is talking about a very specific situation that is happening. And lo and behold, it's not a new situation. Yes, it deals with sexuality. Yes, it deals with gender. And what is going on in this time is people are pulling away from themselves because honestly, they don't understand themselves. I want to say something here. I want to see how many of you are really brave. How many of you will be really brave and honest in admitting, I don't understand myself? rest of you are lying. The rest of you are lying through your teeth. The rest of you have no idea what you're talking about. So just because I don't understand myself, that's one thing. But how many of you would agree on this? Even though I do not understand myself, I have to acknowledge the fact that I exist. Now put that in the perspective of a triune God. You've admitted that there is a war going on inside of you because of the body, mind, and spirit. You've acknowledged, in a way, that those three don't understand each other. But you have also agreed that you exist. So do you really have to understand something to acknowledge that it exists? No. No, you don't. And this is where our biggest hang-up when it comes to a triunion God or a trinity is. He exists completely separate from us in a completely different attitude than us. When I was reading this, Jennifer thought it was cute. She didn't think it was cute. She laughed at me because she said, I'm using pronouns. Not going to go there. But when I was reading this, I was trying to think of a simple way for my mind to really comprehend this. And when I read Genesis chapter 1, I see that he is actually we. And when I go into Matthew chapter 3, I see that we is actually different. But then when I come back to John chapter, one, chapter 10, I see that even though we is different, we is still one. 
And I don't understand this because even though I am made up of three separate entities inside of me, not one of my entities bear witness of one another. They're warring. They're waging against each other. Instead of building each other up, they're constantly tearing me down. Most of you in here today will admit, I don't understand myself. A couple of weeks ago, I left you with a point. That just because you don't understand yourself does not mean that you need to pull away from yourself. Because there is someone who understands every single thing about you. It's not your mom. It's not your dad. It's not your best friend. It's not that family member that you've confided everything in. It is the one and only triune God who created you. As a triune being, we have been created by a triune God. And we wrestle with this. We wrestle with this because too often we rely on logic to help us understand things. Well, I'm feeling this way, so logically, this must be true. That's another way that our mind wages war with our body. Well, I don't feel like this individual or like this person. So again, that's not who I am. Again, that's another way our mind is constantly waging war with our body. My body desires for me to do this, but my soul tells me that I should not. Again, that's another way that our minds and bodies are waging war with our spirit. Brothers and sisters, we're in war. And apart from understanding God, and apart from understanding our triune self, I don't think we even understand the fact that that war is going on right now. We want to write it off as a mental diagnosis. We want to write it off as something that medicine can cure. We want to write it off as situations that the individual has been through. We want to write it off as life was just not the same for me as it was for them. Brothers and sisters, we're all at war because we don't understand ourselves. It's no reason we can't understand a triune God. When I don't understand 
Well, I get mad when somebody cuts me off at McDonald's. I don't understand why sometimes when my boys do something wrong, I fly mad. I don't understand why when my wife doesn't understand what I'm going through, well, I can be such a jerk. I don't understand why everything that God has done for me, why I still fail at wholeheartedly serving Him. And that's where we're at this morning. And that's the beauty. And knowing that there is a triune God who understood it all. At the beginning, He created us. Shortly after He created man, man made a decision to separate himself from God. God wasn't good with that. He wasn't good with that at all. So he did what some of us would never do. He sacrificed his son. And I, want, I really want you to think about this in the context of what we're talking about. God the Son came to take the debt of the punishment that God was going to deliver on us. Let that, let that go for a minute. Because when we talk about Jesus coming to save us from our sins, you have to acknowledge him as God. But I really don't think we understand What Paul was talking about when he talked about what resides inside of us. He said that greater is he that lives in you than the one who lives in this world. Do you know why he's greater? Because the Holy Spirit resides in you if you have put your Trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that Holy Spirit that resides in you goes by the name of God. Think about that one for a minute. That's what he went through for you. So this morning, you're wrestling with understanding what's going on in your life. There's only one place for you to turn. This morning, you're wrestling with really knowing who God is. There's only one way, one place for you to turn. I told y'all this summer was going to be a summer of songs and I'm not going to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands, I promise. 
but I am going to read to you the lyrics that best summarize a God that I'm trying to explain. It says, From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creation's revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All-powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing, God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go? Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow? Who imagined the sun and gives source to its light, yet conceals it to bring us the cool of the night? None can fathom. Indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. All-powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees and we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. Incomparable, unchangeable, you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing God. He sees you. He sees what's deep down in you. Let him help you understand. Tommy. Father, as the praise team comes up, Lord. Understanding is something that I know we won't have this side of eternity. But Father, we've all acknowledged and all admitted that we do not have to understand something to know that it exists. Father, we know you exist. And while we can't possibly fathom how great and awesome you are, we know that through your triune being, you can help us to understand how broken, how fallible, and how messed up we are. Father, we don't need another pill. We don't need another diagnosis. Father, we need you. We need you to help us understand ourselves. And Father, I know with all my heart, through us understanding who we are more, we can further acknowledge who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.